Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Ready Rich here with a quick apology. I recently installed a digital piano at Penn's position, and he's playing with it all through this episode. Enjoy! Hello, other human beings. Hello, people of the stream. And just like that, it begins. Doesn't kick it, though. Doesn't kick it till here. Here we go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School, brought to you by Masterclass. Today, we are broadcasting from the entertainment capital of the world. Maybe you've heard of it, Las Vegas. I have. This week, Penn and I will discuss numerous things. What they are, we don't know, because we did not discuss what we were going to talk about before the show. So it's, a, it's going to be as much a surprise to you as it is to me. But that's okay, because here he is, preaching the love, Penn Gillette. I'm preaching the love here on Penn Sunday School, brought to you by Masterclass. We're going to talk about that more. You already know what Masterclass is. What you might not know is they've got an amazing, amazing deal. This holiday season, get one annual membership and get one free at masterclass.com slash pen. That's right now. Two memberships for the price of one. Masterclass.com slash Pen. Masterclass.com. How easy is that to remember? Very Wicked, easy. wicked, wicked easy. Ah, preaching love here. Um, we're going to be, uh, I, I leave, you know. Um, You're out of here. Next Monday, I go to Boston, Massachusetts. Shaky town. Yes. City of brotherly love, the windy city. Yeah, I'll be in all, uh, big orange, big apple. I'll be in Boston. I, I don't know if all those describe Boston, but yeah. They do. They do. Okay. Have you ever been there? It's windy. <laughs> okay. The yeah. apple is definitely... And I have done some shaking. <laughs> I will tell you right now. And I have had an apple in Boston. Yeah. I have had an orange in Boston. Yeah. So what you talking about, motherfucker? Mm-hmm. Huh? Huh? We're going to have trouble over this? Uh, Bean Town. That's what you're trying to get me to say, isn't it? I was leaning towards it. Bean Town, yeah. Yeah. Boy, do you miss the CBs? You're too young for the CBs. CB radios? Yeah. Uh, I I was young enough... To play with a CB radio as a kid of my buddy you Lance. old enough. Old enough. Yeah. That's true. You get those two reversed. And uh, he had an eight-foot antenna in his backyard. You want to get into this? <laughs> <laughs> Which was enough just to talk to trucks that were driving by on the highway that was maybe half a mile away on old Route 35. So we, we thought we were going to talk to some exotic truckers, but we basically talked to people who were going from one town over. Breaker, breaker. <laughs> breaker, breaker. What's your 20? My 20s on, I'm on Route 35 in Jersey. Well, like everybody's I'm going from Red Bank to Middletown. Like everybody that's that you're going to ever talk to. That's where we're going to be. That's the 20. And did you say, do you have Smokies on your... Uh... Yes, and they would laugh. And they would say, no, no police officers. No police officers. Are going to pull me over today? No. And in, in, in Jersey, do the troopers wear Smokey the Bear hats? They, they, have, a, they have definitely more pronounced militaristic uniforms but mm. they don't do the i don't think they, they don't do the big wide brim though mm. they do like the fancy kind of a uh, aviator kind of sharp cap aviators maybe the wrong word yeah three-pointed sharp cap like napoleon no not That's like napoleon not like, not like paul revere <laughs> that'd be great <laughs> i love they came up with their cloaks we're afraid cloaks that, uh, their police officers in jersey are a little bit too intimidating so we're going to put them in party hats all of them, party hats, and the uh, the higher up you move in the rank, the bigger your red noses that you put on. <laughs> we just think it's a way to reach out to the community because we're supposed to be working with the community, and people see the police officers, and sometimes they treat them with derision because they're frightened of them. So we're not going to do the shoes. Yeah, we think clown shoes would would impede the chases. Yeah, but uh, but we're, we're going to do the party hats and the noses. You know, <laughs> right. After I passed my policeman's benevolent associations card with my license when I got pulled over, <laughs> the guy nervously turned back and out came this long nose from the other car, <laughs> slowly walking up towards it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, 
What's that? That was me making the big cloud noise. Uh-huh. 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 So you had your little CB radio. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When uh, uh, we're Chris Murr and I, the third member of the Asparagus Valley Culture Society, yeah. when we made the Pottstown run mm-hmm. and we drove from um, Northampton, Massachusetts to Pottstown, Pennsylvania. This is, is this, this is one trip or you've done this multiple times? One trip. <laughs> and the trip uh, was in his father's Mercedes. <laughs> I think I mentioned this before. Yes. And uh, our average speed- Average was over uh, 110. That's insane. There are back roads there too. When I was lying on the pavement, yeah, with a police officer's uh, foot on my back mm-hmm. and a shotgun against my head mm-hmm. in the driveway of where Christopher's father's house, because we made it, <laughs> uh, I promised myself I'd never go that fast again. Right. And I kept that promise. The promise was a little bit more complicated. It was like, I'll never do this kind of thing. Because when I went on Top Gear. The Grand Tour. I went that fast again. Right. But it it, It was for work and under safety. Yeah, it was under safety. Although, I'll tell you, the Top Gear people did not believe it was under safety conditions. The Grand Tour people. Because I was in the snow. Ah. And um, if you watch the video, you can see the... um, the uh, hosts mm-hmm. a, a little bit appalled uh, at at how fast I'm driving, and Teller, of course, vomited because he was the passenger, which is the funniest thing to be in a race car. Yeah, he was the passenger, and uh, we went up against Dynamo. Yeah, and uh, I don't, for I, Americans, a uh, f- famous uh, famous uh, English magician who's lost the rights to his name. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. He lost the rights to his name. Maybe that's not public knowledge, but he's working under his uh, birth name now. Yes, the uh, I do. He yeah, he is advertising a show, saying that uh, uh, the, the the his old name is dead, and that uh, he's, yeah. he's, he's he's coming into his own as as as. as his I forget name. what his name is. His name is really nondescript. Which is why he chose a very memorable name. A very memorable name, but I never. I'm, I I think he made the right move. I was talking to him in uh, London, hmm. and I think the uh, the name Dynamo is stupid and old fashioned. Okay. Like if you know there's there's a magician in the forties named Dynamo, you'd go like okay. Right. But the twenty first century, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, he's got rid of it. The new Not, one's called the name that goes wrong. The name that goes wrong. <laughs> now, uh does anybody remember uh, who won that race between uh, me and Dynamo? I believe uh you won that yeah, race. I think I did. I think yeah, now yeah. that you bring it up. Yeah, yeah. I think I slaughtered him. Although I believe no one vomited in his car, which no. is a, which is a victory in and of itself over there. So mm. no. <laughs> uh, you are misunderstanding the culture. Um, vomiting in in Canada, yeah, and in Britain, yeah, is considered a high the high form of like, like burping at a meal. Uh, yeah, more so. <laughs> clearly more so. <laughs> well, clearly more so. But I went uh, wicked crazy fast because I have this belief, which Teller shares with me. Yeah, which I think now that I'm older. Mm-hmm. I believe is an erroneous belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe that when we're on a TV show mm-hmm. and they ask us to do something, yeah, that that has been vetted very carefully that we can't hurt ourselves. Did you ever see Teller on Fear Factor? Yes. The funniest thing ever, right? Uh, by far. By f- it's one of the greatest Teller stories of all time. He, he doesn't care about no. anything. No. No. There isn't, I don't believe that his heart rate elevates for a moment. No. And Every single thing they do when they hang him up over whatever the fucking canyon was yeah. on a little glass thing, everybody else is looking down and trembling. He doesn't care. Because no. Teller believes in his heart, right? Yeah. That if they are asking him to do this, they must have vetted it because they don't want to kill. Must have numerous meetings with health and safety procedures yeah, and lawyers. So I believed on that track when they yeah. put me in a um, high-powered sports car, which other people would remember what it was. Yeah. And, kind of the point of the show. Yeah. And uh, put me on a track. Uh, others would think, oh, there's real, maybe there's real danger here. Yeah. I believed that the uh, British Broadcasting Corporation, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. I don't know what company it was. I believed that they were sure that no dipshit like me could hurt himself. And in people watching the recording afterwards. Yeah. I no longer think that's true. 
<laughs> I would say I don't. I have the faith that I could do something so dumb that a lawyer wouldn't think of it. That's that's where my mo comes in. Although Top Gear doesn't call people like me, but I'm yeah. less uh, I'm less hum- humble than you. <laughs> surely they've planned for my stupidity. Sure, surely. I, my stupidity is not a brand new kind of stupidity. <laughs> My stupidity is just go real mom and pop brand stupidity. Go much, much too fast on an icy road. Now, was it a I would timed say, race? I didn't see the episode. Was it a timed race? Yeah, we weren't against each other. Got it. They didn't put us on the same track. <laughs> if they had put us on the same track, I've got a feeling that pussy dynamo would have just pulled over. <laughs> uh, Teller, who has been uh, with my insanity yeah. at that point for at least 40 years, mm-hmm. even he was pushed to the breaking point. His point was, I have been on this ride yeah. with Penn Jillette for 40 years. Yes. I'm okay on that ride, although no one else would have been. Yeah. But this specific ride yeah. of seven minutes, maybe I shouldn't be here. You guys have pointed guns at each other's faces. Yeah. But Teller was, Teller was like, I didn't see him. Yeah. But uh, when you saw the camera on him later, uh, he did not trust me the way he trusted Fear Factor. <laughs> uh, he thought, Somewhere he flashed back to some diner in Philadelphia. Where yeah, yeah. Someone said, he's going to be the death of you, you know. <laughs> yeah. It was... Uh, it was amazing. And I, you know, I crossed the finish line in a backwards fishtail toward a tree. Okay. Yeah. That's about, I, uh, I believe I'm not a car guy. <laughs> Less than ideal. <laughs> but oh, I crossed that finish line, motherfucker. I crossed that finish line. Let me tell you. So on the Pottstown run, mm-hmm. I was in charge. Okay, this was my job. Yeah. I had binoculars. <laughs> And my job was to see if there were any hazards up ahead, see if there were any police up ahead. I was also on the CB radio, CB radio, telling truckers to get out of the way, telling them we were coming by at, at that point, 125 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And if they knew of any police officers, we'd probably be by them before they had a chance to notice us. And my job was also, we had calculated how much gas we needed. Okay. We didn't want any extra gas. We knew the gas station we were stopping at. And my job was to jump out, take the pump, pour in, looking at it, the amount we needed and no more. Like four gallons or something like that? Yeah, whatever it was. I had to put that in. (laughs) Then I had to just drop it and throw a $100 bill. That's what I did. Just threw a hundred dollars on the ground, on the ground, under the, under the hungity. Okay. So, so it wouldn't blow away. Right. Just boom and take off for like $10. The pump pump handle. Yeah. $10 worth of gas. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, was there a deadline or is this was just a, um, done for its own uh, goal? We had planned it for months. Okay. We had done the run a couple times. We Mm -hmm. picked the gas station. We'd done stopwatch clocks. And, uh, Weir, Weir was crazy. You know, I mean, no one else would have done this with him. No. And, uh, it was really scary. The guy who survived getting hit by a car on the highway, right? Uh, it was really scary because, uh, we were on these back roads near Pottstown, Pennsylvania, and I had binoculars. At night. Yeah. And we were going to run a red light just right through it, not even slow down. So my job was to try to look through the trees and make sure there were no cars coming. <laughs> and I was not, I did not say clear. I was to scream stop if it wasn't clear. <laughs> That's a, I, I agree with that one part. So I was looking and trying to see, are we fast enough to get ahead of that car? Or are we going to T-bone it at 90 miles an hour on the back road? Something those weird math questions are finally paying. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it, was, it was word questions. <laughs> That uh, still seems uh, irrational. It was, uh, I told you. I mean, I am not a religious man, mm-hmm. but I, and I did not pray. 
Yeah. But I made a deal with the uh, universe. Yeah, yeah. That if they let me live through this, I wouldn't do it again. It's very little Richard of you. Very little Richard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, we had, you know, uh, multiple, I've forgotten the number now, but more than three police cars, full cherry top, full sirens. In pursuit. Behind it, in pursuit for the last 10 miles. That help or hurt your binoculars? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to tell you, uh, when they looked through the car yeah. and found no drugs, right. no guns, no, no contraband, dead body trunk. and when they found both of us blew nothing no on the breathalyzer, blew nothing on the breathalyzer, yeah. there was no alcohol, no drugs in the car, we were both stone cold sober in a car. That's that not was- true. Don't you had no you had no drugs in your veins, but you were high as kites. <laughs> You're high as kites. That's just simply not true. But I've had the experience when I see uh, when they show um, uh, on on television when they show people pulled out of the car, yeah, knocked to the ground, foot on their back, and shotgun in their head. Yeah, I say to myself, I know what that feels like. <laughs> you know, just like when you're watching something yeah. and you see a family going to McDonald's yeah. and they have two young boys and they order meals for them. Yeah. You know what that feels like. Yeah. If I see someone with like a sleeveless t-shirt cheering at John Bon Jovi with a beer in their hand, yeah. I know what that feels like. <laughs> exactly. You know what that feels like. You don't know what it feels like to be pulled out of a car, mm-hmm. thrown on the gravel. No. And then watching as Reverend Christopher, we're Christopher's father. Yes. Said to the police officers. An agent of the Lord. Yep. Said to the police officers, I believe a couple of you come to our church. You know, the boys got a little bit out of hand. <laughs> a little bit. We were feet, we were, um, uh, I mean, there was driving recklessly. They were yes. speeding. They were speeding in excess of 100 miles an hour, which is a separate crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were um, refusing to pull over. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, giving chase. Yeah, yeah. There were like eight counts of major things, which I never understood. I was trying to understand very, very quickly if I was responsible for any of that. Whether you would you would be held accountable for both fines and or yeah. losing your license. Yeah, yeah. If I'd be as a passenger. Right. Because they went from shotgun to my head to figuring maybe I was a kidnap victim. But that did not last long because the police officers thought, in their judgment, they're, they're professionals, who the fuck would kidnap this guy? <laughs> who, who wants this guy near him? This is a guy that we would deal with abandonment, yeah. not with kidnapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever think to have an alibi? Did you joke in the car about what you might say to the police officers? I was not allowed to speak in the car, except on CB. And if there was something I learned on the CB, or if there was danger, I was not allowed to say another word. So was that, you weren't you weren't conversational through this journey. It no. was a it was a locked no. in, dialed in. Uh, uh, it was white knuckle two and ten. We're Chrisomer, floor uh, pedal to the metal, the whole way. Phone call to dad ahead of time. Hey pops, might stop by with my buddy Pen. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, he was driving his car back. Right. His father had gotten a new Mercedes and Weir had borrowed it <laughs> to go to Massachusetts and he had to bring the car home. So he was telling his dad, the Reverend Christopher, yeah. when he would arrive approximately. And his dad is thinking, what a treat for my son. Give him a little ride in my Mercedes. Yep. What a nice dad I am. Mm-hmm. Treating him and his friend to a luxurious drive on through the Turns through the out night. he was a better dad than he thought because he was willing to... Um, to talk him, uh, yeah, talk him out. Use the time. Lord. Use the Lord. He sure Leverage did. the Lord. He sure did. Boy, that police officer who was put on my back with a shotgun. Yeah. Who then stood me up and cuffed me. Yeah. Boy, was he perplexed. Sure. As it became clear to him what was going on. Yeah. And, and then as it gets more absurd, the more it is just easier paperwork-wise to walk away, right? Just... <laughs> You're drunk or you have drugs or there's a, you know, bunch of bags from a bank in your trunk. Something. All that makes it, makes the pursuit and everything great. Yeah. The kid just want to drive fast <laughs> with his buddy. So that was my experience with the uh, CB. 
That's the only time you're on a CB? No, no. When Weir was driving, he always had the CB, Mm -hmm. even in his other car. Yeah. Our CB was like freestanding in his dad's car. His dad didn't have one. But Weir always had a CB radar band radio. Yep. And I was the one who manned it. Yeah. And I was, when we took Asparagus Valley Culture Society, when our van went, uh, we would be on the CB talking to the truckers. For our younger listeners, before there was social media. There was internet chat. You could find, you could chat with people. Yep. Strangers, and it was so exciting. Yeah. And before that, yeah, there was a CB radio. There was CB radio, Chance and you could just... chat with strangers yeah. who, if you were in a diner, you wouldn't even consider talking to. <laughs> and you would use slang that you would find offensive. Yes. Seat covers mm-hmm. was the slang we used for women. Mm-hmm. They were called seat covers. Oh boy. There's some nice seat cover you got there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was stuff that is so offensive. I have probably- That was the only place where misogyny was rampant. Uh. (laughs) I got to tell you, I believe as of that second, I was canceled just for reporting historically (laughs) that I heard that term- Right, because context doesn't matter anymore. On the CB. That's right. Uh, I didn't use it. No. No, I I mean, I really didn't because- It seemed so creepy at the time. Yes. At the time, it was creepy. Like Thomas Jefferson, mm-hmm. he knew at the time having slaves was creepy. <laughs> he knew it was morally wrong, right? They knew all that. Just like people today, and not, not just like. Once I say just like, yeah. I'm totally wrong. Right. But, you know, um, I was talking to my son, and he said, who's your favorite president, you know? And I said, I'm pretty fond of Thomas Jefferson. Whoa. He yeah. went apeshit. Do you know anything about Thomas Jefferson? And of course, it is unforgivable. Of course, it's a weird thing because we didn't grow up with that. Like our forefathers are deified, right? Yeah. In our education system. And I too was a huge fan of Thomas Jefferson mm-hmm. in this. You can't be now. Radical, free-thinking stuff. You can't be now. Stuff. I know. It's a little like saying, boy, that Lester Maddox. I sure <laughs> dug him. Well, we talk about all the time separating the singer from the song. Are we allowed to do that with like democracy no! and liberty? <laughs> no is the answer. Yeah, yeah. No is the answer. Yeah. But I was thinking, you know, um, uh, there's that great scene in Tar. You know that Tar movie? Yes. Boy, I love that movie. Great movie. Where they are attacking white heteronormal uh, composers. Yes. Beethoven. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she said, okay, are you willing to be judged exactly that way on your own stuff? Yeah. Are you willing for them to say Beethoven, white, heteronormal, uh, misogynist? Are you willing, when you write something, to be known simply, right, as trans person from that time? Yeah. You know? And uh, we also know uh, every moment from the time I was seven, mm-hmm. eight. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I am not equating these two things in any way morally. Okay, because that was my problem with PETA. That's what stopped me from being a vegan for so long. Was PETA was moral the fact equivalency. that PETA did moral equivalency that was not true? Yeah. You know, the killing chickens is like the Holocaust. It's not. It's not. It's still horrible. If PETA had simply said uh, the suffering of a billion chickens is not equal to the suffering of one human being, Mm -hmm. but it's still suffering. Yeah. That argument would have won. Carried a lot more weight. Yeah. But once they do the false equivalency, I can just say, bullshit, fuck you. Right. Which I actually said, bullshit, fuck you, on yes. TV, yeah. on the show, bullshit, yeah. Yeah. parentheses, fuck you. Yeah. Right? I actually said that. But I will tell you, from the time I was aware that meat was animals, I had a creepy feeling about eating meat. Mm-hmm. And I then did the resolution of cognitive dissonance for my whole life, like everybody does. Right. Like everybody does. It's a weird thing. Um, atheism, for instance. Okay. People who believe in God, not all of them know every second that believing in God is wrong. Right. Right. Some people, I think, actually have the feeling of the Holy Spirit within them. Mm-hmm. Right. I believe that's true. But 
I believe that everyone that eats meat, if they aren't from a farm, a proper mom and pop farm, which is possible, do not exist. Right. And never did exist, at least in our lifetimes. But I think there are people that interacted with animals in a close way that then found the slaughtering those animals in a humane way mm-hmm. and then eating those animals uh, did not require the resolution of cognitive dissonance. Although I find that hard to believe that you wouldn't be a little attached to Oscar the chicken that's then on your table. I also think my nephew, Denny, who hunts yeah. and who um, shoots a deer mm-hmm. and then has venison. Mm-hmm. It feels like he has a certain simpatico with the animal. Let me put that another way. He feels like he has that with the animal. I don't know. Well, I think, yeah, we have the uh, ability and inclination to be carnivores, right? Mm-hmm. But I think there's a difference between the kind of um, small scope situations you're describing mm-hmm. and the absolute filth that is factory farming that is yeah, so... You shouldn't even put the word farming. Right. And I'm just saying, but it, it's so bad they pass laws to make sure people don't document It's how so it bad that they have absolutely yeah. suspended the First Amendment in certain states. Yeah. So you can't even speak or write about how bad it is. Right. Now, I'm saying, uh, there, was a, there was a person I heard speak that it was fascinating I'm saying that I don't think that there is a person. No, I, 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 why do I speak in absolutes? I think that most of the people I know who eat meat, mm-hmm. if you brought them into the center of the slaughterhouse or where those animals were kept and then offered them chicken McNuggets and a Big Mac, yeah. I think they might feel uncomfortable. <laughs> right, sure. And I think that all the arguments, it was an amazing feeling when I became an insufferable vegan asshole. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing feeling to not have to argue with myself every day. Yeah. And I just was reading this article that phenomenal to me that Korea, I think it's Korea, is now outlawing uh, serving dog meat. Ah. Right? They're stopping the dog farms where they serve, they grew dogs for meat right? and they're stopping having on the menu mm-hmm. because younger people are made uncomfortable by it and uh, also because uh, because tourists don't like it. Right. Tourists think it's bad and they also don't like the jokes. Um, and they find it repulsive. I am so confused when my children have a dog living in the house patted on its little head and then have a chicken sandwich, mm-hmm. you know, then have a hamburger. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially, and I, I don't know why, I, I say especially for, for reasons, but it doesn't really change it. It's just magnitude. It's mm-hmm. not total. It's not a, a C difference. Pigs, which are by every measure we have uh, more, um, more empathetic, more intelligent, more everything than dogs. Yeah. And yet, People have bacon and eggs right. while sitting with their dog who they would. If you were to go up, take that dog, chop off its head in front of them, and fry it up, they would be appalled. <laughs> nah, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, it's amazing. Oh, I know we shouldn't have to say it, but please don't do that test. Yeah. Please don't, please don't, try, to, please don't was- try to make Ben... Eat his words on that one. There was, there was Leave one, that one alone. There was one time in the past we forgot to say that, <laughs> and we got some uh, we got some email that I think you'll agree was unpleasant. Yeah, very unpleasant. Yeah, very unpleasant. Couldn't even open the attachments. No, no. Very, very. See, smartass is what that was the uh, re on that. And Please don't do. So that. these smartasses yeah, are yeah. saying no. Yeah. Don't don't run the experiment. No. It's it's strictly Gedonkin. It's <laughs> yeah. a Gedonkin. It's it's. Only, you know, please run the experiments on muons and particles in your, uh, in your accelerator <laughs> before you run the dog cutting off the head, frying it up experiment. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Once you get all that done, yeah. once you've solved the dark matter thing, we can trust you with this. No. You know, 
once you've done the white hole experiment. You know, there's a new book out by uh, that guy, Ravilli, Ravioli or something. Ravioli, sure. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an Italian name. He's teaching a master class. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he's a Carlos something. He's an Italian uh, science popularizer. Okay. And he's written a book about white holes. Because he believes that the stuff that goes in the black hole must come out in another universe. Oh, wow. Spider-Man. Spider-Man comes out in the other universe, I think. I think so, too. He goes into, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes into a black hole. We're stuff. talking about really, really heavy stuff. You know why? Yeah. Because you and I are interested in lifelong learning. That's right. Lifelong learning. And Masterclass is wicked good at lifelong learning. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's anything but lifelong learning, you know, being the existentialist that I am and have yeah. been for most of my life. I love, I love learning mm -hmm. and master classes found a way to make lifelong learning so attractive, yeah, you know, exciting. exciting. It's, uh, they, they do their classes, they have their lessons, they have their instructors, yes. you know, which we are. Yeah. I think I, now should I say their instructors are the best in the world? Yes. And we are the instructors, or should I do it in the other order? If you did well, the other the order, way, it sounds... We did the master class, yeah, yeah. and they have the best instructors in the world. Oh, that does sound... That, that, my instinct said it was going to be wrong, but it felt better that way. Yeah, it feels It feels less... It feels just like, oh, we did this, and oh, yeah. by the way, they're the best instructors in the world. Well, I've taken your master class, mm -hmm. uh, and I loved all your lessons, mm -hmm. and indeed have used your magic lessons in the wild. Right, that's To success. Right. Yeah. You, you went out, yeah. uh, the thing that Teller teaches. Yeah. I, I know you want to say this, Matt, so I'll, I'll make it easier for you. You did not learn anything from me, in that <laughs> but you learned things from Teller, right? Yeah. So maybe I should say the way to be properly, yeah. properly humble yeah. is to say you can learn a lot from Teller <laughs> in the Ben and Teller Masterclass. Is that right? Uh, sure. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. It's really good. And we're, we're going to name some of the people. I always name the same ones because they're the ones that blow my mind. But Ron Howard, Steve Martin, Neil Gaiman, and then yeah. really good cooks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Every yeah. every possible fantastic chef. Yeah, of every kind. Yes. There's vegan classes. There's uh, there's yeah. there's uh, whole cuisine. Am I saying that right? Whole cuisine, whatever I don't that know. is. Yep. And there, yeah, and there's also uh, you know how to make a really good scrambled eggs. Right. Uh, really, really, it, it's it's fabulous. 180 classes to pick from. More than 180 classes because this is old copy I've got here. New classes are added every month. So all you got to do is take that 180 figure when we first started talking about master class, then add new classes every month for that amount of time, multiply that out and add it to 180. That's how many you've got. And there are ones on arithmetic as well. <laughs> it's really, really good. And Reddy takes them all the time. And uh, my, uh, my mother-in-law takes them all the time. Really enjoys them. Uh, it has other stuff. It's just a terrific way to learn stuff. Even if not, not like you actually used yes something from our master class yeah. to make money. That's right. But even if you like things you're not likely to make money on, like astronauts, yeah, or astronauts, basketball negotiations, basketball. You still have so many things that you can take away for your lifelong. Yeah, life. yeah. It's just uh, the more you know, the, the 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 more full your life is. And this holiday season, give one annual membership and get one free at masterclass.com slash pen. Right now, you can get two memberships. This is such a deal. It's so hard to pick out presents, right? Yeah. And this makes it really easy. To, most people say gifts or presents. I say presents. Is that regional? No, no, I think okay, presents. Say presents. All right, now you can get two memberships for the price of one at masterclass.com slash pen. Masterclass.com slash pen. Yeah. Offer terms apply. Yeah, I like, I like uh, masterclass. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So, um, um, getting back to what we were, we weren't really saying anything, were we? Uh, no, no. Talk a little bit about vegan stuff. And um, a little bit about Citizen Band Radio. Yeah, Citizen Band. Did you want me to do this now or at the end of the episode? We, uh, what do you want to talk about now? My father, who grew up on his family farm, uh-huh. mm-hmm. cattle farm, mm-hmm. had a pet pig. Uh-huh. They also raised hogs. Mm-hmm. He did both. He had a pet pig mm-hmm. and he slaughtered pigs. And how do you feel about that? I think he was okay with it, um, judging from the way that he ate bacon when I was a kid. Did he? Uh, <laughs> did he? Um, do you think he worked on that resolution of cognitive dissonance? I didn't get any sense of that at all. Okay, I think there's a feeling, and maybe I'm totally wrong because I'm not speaking from firsthand experience. But I think in, in those cases, I think that you know that everyone else has such a significant uh, distance between their relationship with their the food and the animal that you probably feel much more um, kind of at peace with it because you're doing the actual dirty work. Yeah. It seems like uh, if you're, if you're doing it, if you're killing something yeah. and then eating it, you're, you're, you're doing the dirty work. I, I can see that point of view, but I think that as, um, as technology moves along, yeah. you know, being a vegan uh, 60 years ago was not easy. No. You know, B12, all that kind of stuff. You had yeah, yeah. problems. Uh, soon we will have clean meat, which is really goofy. Like cloned, yeah. cloned meat. Yeah, yeah. And you will be able to, if you choose, to completely morally eat a flank steak from Tom Cruise. Yeah. You know, they can clone that and- Clone his meat, specifically. Yeah, his, yeah. his meat. If you want some, uh, you know, many people have said, many I mean, people have what said- What they're doing with porn stars' vaginas, yeah. I've already seen some amazing things. You know, and experienced. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. feeling feeling Seen is the, maybe the wrong verb. But many people have said, uh, you know, I'd like to eat Tom Cruise's ass. Yeah, and now they'll be able and to. they'll be able to. We're years away, mm-hmm. and uh, not decades, not decades, years. And uh, but even without the the clean meat, um, which I think is, is is a little bit the long way around the barn, so to speak, mm-hmm. the long way around the factory farm. I think there will be. Um, meat substitutes of a very high quality. You know, what I'm waiting for is the bass drum sound. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. When they first started doing drum machines, they were trying to replicate the sound of a bass drum. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Then that went away. Yeah. Also, snare drums went from, let's try to sound like a real snare drum, to let's go, Yeah. because that's the sound we want. Yeah. And then they dialed that in. I think soon, and this is starting to already happen with chicken saute and stuff like that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Is they're no longer trying to make it seem like chicken. They're trying to make it seem like something better than chicken. Yeah, your wife prepared a lion's mane mushroom meal the other day. Mm -hmm. Uh, She sent me photos of that just looked like just an incredible meal. It was just really, really good. Yeah. And uh, we can cross over into but i'm but i'm speaking about the artificial stuff yeah oh, Not, yeah yeah uh, um it's almost gotten too much of a chase for me I, I miss a good black bean burger or the old veggie patties sometimes mm-hmm. those were just really good on a bun yeah you know yeah and, and and we've got they've gotten so out of fashion it's hard to find places that don't have beyond or impossible meat yeah. patties now. But what i'm saying is impossible has been it's what i always say about the stradivarius violin which i can say with great authority because i don't know anything about it Yes. And that is the reason the Stradivarius violin sounds the greatest is because we want that sound, the Stradivarius violin. Yes. It is, um, it is uh, a tautology in a certain way. Right. It's painting, shooting the arrow, then painting the target around where the arrow hits. Yes. Um, and that's what I heard on drum machines and synthesizers. At first, drum machines and synthesizers, which is the same thing, wanted to sound like instruments that were acoustic. Yeah. created that. Uh, then it started with the electric piano, the Rhodes, the old Rhodes 88, mm-hmm. um, started to sound like we liked the electric piano sound. Mm-hmm. And um, there was the uh, Ray Charles 
album, I think it was The Genius of Ray Charles, was the name of the album, mm-hmm. uh, where Ray Charles plays, I believe it's a Fender Rhodes, mm-hmm. instead of an acoustic piano. And people had scoffed at uh, electric pianos as being not sounding like real pianos. Yeah. And then Ray Charles made this record with the Fender Rhodes that kind of unapologetically sounds like a Fender Rhodes. Yeah. And does not sound like an acoustic piano. And Ray Charles, the whole arrangements, his singing with it, everything um, brought to that another dimension. And I think we're right at the Fender Rhodes moment with impossible, impossible burgers when they finally say, fuck it. There's stuff we didn't like right. about the original hamburger. Yeah, they can add some their own different ways of umami, now, what, fun taste yeah. flavors and palates that might make us go like this is better. This is better. No, what they what they uh, what they've done on that, and I believe the real crossover was chicken saute. Yeah, because you had chicken saute in a uh, in a Thai restaurant. Yeah, uh, is it Thai? Is it yeah, right? yeah. When you had chicken saute, you loved the peanut sauce. Oh, because it's just sugar and fat. Yeah. Oh boy, that's good. And then you would be biting into the chicken pieces and there'd be like a weird piece of tendon or something. Mm-hmm. And it would just be like, I'm like, this is back when I was a, a carnival, you know, yeah, yeah. carnist. Um, uh, it would be unpleasant. And when I first became vegan, I ordered chicken saute, you know, as they spell it, you know, C-H-I-K-E-N or something. Yeah. Um, I ordered chicken saute and it was better than the carnis chicken saute. Because mm-hmm. all I cared about was the peanut sauce and the texture, and the texture was actually better. I mean, I feel that way about Impossible Nuggets. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what you want is the dipping sauce, yeah. a little crunch and dipping sauce. You don't care about the chicken part. Yeah. And so eating guiltless nuggets mm-hmm. with delicious dips, great. It's really great. Man. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, do we really need insect coloring in our candy? I don't think so. No. Let those insects hop around, as long as they're not in my house. I say bug not feature on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, bug not feature would be a great name for a candy bar. (laughs) (laughs) I want a bug not feature. I got got the minis and I have the the fun size and the full size bug not feature. Which one would you like? Have you been to Crossroads? Uh, Well, Crossroads, I, I know... Crossroads is a vegan restaurant. It's in yeah. LA. It's also in Vegas. Yeah. Maybe there's other ones. I don't know. I don't there's know. There's two in LA. Yeah. There's one at Resorts World. At Resorts World. Uh, My wife I, and I dined there before we went and saw Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. We went to Crossroads. Yeah. Have you been there before that? No. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, Crossroads, and I shouldn't, this is probably giving away another NDA. We might have to edit it out. But Crossroads has a secret of vegan food. Oh. You know what the secret is? No. Meat, butter, cheese, and milk. What are you saying? I'm saying I don't think it's a fucking vegan restaurant. I think they say it's vegan and they <laughs> lie about it because the shit tastes just like fucking carnage shit. <laughs> I was there with Mac King. Yeah. And they served us calamari. Yeah. And I said to Mac King, boy, this tastes just like calamari. What is it? And Mac King said, calamari. And it is the place they don't tell you it's you know blankety blank like ingredients right if you look at the menu it just says calamari yeah and you just double check that this is a vegan restaurant it's all vegan yeah they serve you cal- now calamari is you know you can deep fat fry shoe leather right and it's good and that and you just described calamari yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah uh but all the food there like you could have like a bolognese yeah and you eat the bolognese and go this is just beef I said my wife had a carbonara. Yeah, and she's like, I haven't had one of these in forever because just you would never. Yeah, never. Even even when I ate meat, you just didn't always pull the trigger on a carbonara at places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was so curious, and it was it was it tasted like carbonara. You, you know why? Bacon <laughs> must be must be bacon. Must be. I want to say I am joking. Yes, and I believe that Crossroads is entirely vegan. Yeah, but they are the best. I believe they're the best at duplicating. Food that is made with meat. 
Yeah. They're, and, and butter and cheese. They're the best at it. Yeah. That's not uh, to say the best vegan restaurants. They're the best at replicating. Replicating. Yeah. Because I really, the vegan restaurants that, that, that kill me, uh, when Real Food Daily was in, in LA, when it was good, mm-hmm. it changed a little bit. Um, they were serving food that was, they did some of the clone things, the Big Mac type shit. Yeah, yeah. But the other stuff they did was just really good bowls of really good food, really well, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. well prepared and laid out. And what I'm waiting for is a vegan restaurant that is that is unapologetically vegan, where nothing on the menu refers to any meat dishes. Yeah, it's not a, a parody. And it's stuff you couldn't dishes. possibly get. I'm like, I want that and White Castle style. Like, uh, like I can just get it. Drive through and grab it. Yeah. That's what I... Well, one of the things about vegan food is it's harder to eat. <laughs> There's no doubt that it's harder to you eat. You have to chew more. You, well, you have to chew more and also you can't hold it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you get a burrito, right? Yeah. And if it has meat in it, it kind of holds together. If it has jackfruit in it, it's yeah. in your lap. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. But so I want a, a one-handed... Vegan option, yeah. drive-through vegan option, yeah, yeah. and even your vegan burgers, yeah, they fall into your lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, that's our discussion of vegan. Um, <laughs> well, you're going to Boston. Boston, uh, we're going to play. Uh, I think they're sold out or close, but there might be some tickets. A uh, week from Friday. Okay. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we do uh, go to Penn and Teller. Uh, yeah, and I think there's a there's a matinee on Sunday. Oh, that's exciting. Because then Sunday night. We fly to London, and then we're off on the USO tour. Romania, is Transylvania in Romania, or is that a different country? Uh, ready? Transylvania is not a country. Great. What is Transylvania? It's a city? It's a region. It's a region. There is a USO base in Transylvania where our uh, servicemen and women are fighting vampires. <laughs> and we're going to give them, uh, we're going to go into an airport hangar and we're going to do a good, show good. for the vampire fighters. They have, have you um, guys done troop, uh, stuff for troops like this before? They have M16s that fire wooden steaks and garlic. Um, that's what they're serving for Christmas, wooden steaks and garlic. There's a holy water and garlic base. Yeah. yeah. They dip the sticks in there. Yeah. Yeah. Which is where we're going. Even if we're not going, is it in Romania? Yes. Even if we're not going there, we're going there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When I come back and tell the stories, I will have been to Transylvania. <laughs> no what the fuck what. will I care? I'm going to be in like an Air Force hangar. Might as well be in Transylvania, right? Yeah. What, what difference does it make? And I've already told uh, told you that uh, uh, it, it's supposed to be a weird trip. I've never done, uh, we've never done USO before. This is so cool. You're living out your Bob Hope dreams right now. My Bob Hope dreams, yeah, but without Joey Heatherton. Yeah. And strangely, my Bob Hope dreams didn't include Bob Hope. They included mostly Joey Heatherton. <laughs> and Margaret. Yeah. You know, and we have no women with us on our USO tour. You had one and she bailed. Yeah. She bailed out. Yeah. She realized she was the only woman. She said, Transylvania. No, I'm not going there. I'm, I actually have Van Helsing DNA. I can't go to yeah, Transylvania. I can't, I can't go there. And also she was worried about the uh, the virgin thing, of course, as, <laughs> as, as, you, as you would be. Going to Transylvania, but uh, when you go to Boston, do a lot of old old folks come around? From your <laughs> there's world? a lot of old folks in Boston. from your world. world uh, yes, yes. My nephew, my nephews are coming up. Yeah, Denny and Fraser will be coming up, and I think maybe my uh, great nephew, Gesundheit mm-hmm. um, Jeremiah, might be coming up. I'm going to go to Greenfield. Yeah, I'm going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'll be in Greenfield, Massachusetts. So you can see me haunting the, oh, ah, the, the, um, the woman from the week, the woman who wins the week. Oh, yes. Herself, she lives in Greenfield. Oh. I should take her out for a coffee, don't you think? Yes. I definitely should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should go out for a coffee with her and listen to her witty banter. It'll be like the Greenfield, Massachusetts equivalent of the Algonquin Roundtable. <laughs> All the Greenfield winners of the back page of the week, we're all going to get together and we're going to crack wise and witty. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's like a, a folk bar there and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy the nightlife of Greenfield, Massachusetts. Going back to my home, I'm going to go also go to my, um, my the house I grew up in. Yeah, which I uh, which I still own, but which other people live there. Which I guess I could say of every house in the world. <laughs> 
<laughs> Mar-a-Lago, I own it. Other people live there. Uh, uh, so uh, I'm going to visit that. Yeah. And it's I'm going to see the, um, no, I'm not going to see the fall foliage. It's too late. But I'll have some. There'll be some. Rest. I'll have some maple syrup on pancakes. And uh, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going in. I'm flying in Monday to Boston. Mm-hmm. And then I'm taking a car. I'm going to have someone drive me from Boston to, of course, someone wants to drive me from Boston to, um, they just write to uh, a questionpen.com. What is it? Questionpen at gmail.com. Gmail.com. If they want to drive at like 10 o'clock, a week from Monday. Yeah. PM yeah. from uh, Logan Airport to Greenfield, Massachusetts. If they want to do that and get paid what they would be paid if I were taking a limo, yeah. they can do that. They should know that mm-hmm. uh, that you'll be only on CB radio mm-hmm. and that you will only communicate stop. Yeah, that's all I'll say. I need binoculars. They have to supply the binoculars. Yeah, they need binoculars and the CB radio. CB radio. And then I'm going to get in there that night, and I will stay probably at the, you know, Motel Six or the Howard yeah, Johnson's yeah. Motor Lodge, whatever it is now. Well, yeah, yeah, you, you know, you'll talk about that quaint little uh, aspect when you're doing your USO tour. Oh yeah, there's yeah, not yeah. a Starbucks across the street from everywhere you're playing. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and uh, and then I'm going to go up and see my friend uh, Elliot yeah. in Vermont. Yeah. See his sugar house. I don't think he's not sugaring yet, but I'll see all that stuff. Then I'm going to come back to Green. Then I'm going to go to. Uh, Masma, it's called Masma. Is that what the really smart people take tests? Say yeah. they're smart. There's a like MoMA, okay, but it's Masma or something. Masma. Oh, got it. It's a uh, it's a uh, art museum. It's supposed to be very very good. I'll go with Masmo just for aesthetics aesthetically yeah, yeah. pleasing. It sounds like it'd be Masmo. And then I'm going to go back to Boston and do my shows. And Paul Gertner, you know the great Paul. Yeah, Gertner, yeah, yeah. Great magician. He does an afternoon show in Boston on Saturday afternoon. Uh-huh. Uh So. Uh, a week from Saturday, week from Saturday, uh, I will be in Boston at Paul Gertner's. He does a little close-up show, and he's saving me a seat. Oh, very good. And I'm going to go there and see Paul Gertner do his incredible close-up magic. He's going to try to fool you again. I know him. <laughs> he's, I know him. He's, he's going to try to fool he's, you again. He's already working on shit. <laughs> he's going to do a show that no one else will like, but he'll fool me. I believe Teller's going, too. We never go to things together, but we're both, Paul Gertner brings us out of the woodwork. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, before Fool, uh, our listeners have been known from Fool us for sure. Mm-hmm. You guys have done a, a round of five with with Paul. Yeah, but I think that uh, I think that um, Paul Gertner's what's it called, Misshuffled? I think so. Is that what it's called? Is it called Misshuffled? Yes. I think that is uh, my favorite card trick. Yeah, yeah. And I bought the book on it and tried to learn it. And you need to be able to do a perfect pharaoh. And I never got to do that. Mm-hmm. But Paul Gertner's misshuffled, I will say, yeah. my favorite card trick. Mm. It is, uh, it's a little meta from card tricks. It gives you information about, um, about sorting protocols. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's really nice. It's an intellectually stimulating trick. And it is a real fooler. And it is great. And I know that in my hands, it would be wonderful, except... I can't do it. That's all that's holding right. me back. Just the ability to do it. Yeah. That's Other than it. that, it's a perfect trick for me. That's what's keeping me away from my uh, gold medal in archery. Oh, really? Yeah. That's all. The yeah. ability to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's all that's stopping me. I just want you, <laughs> want you to know that, that I'm uh, I'm doing the work there. And I'm looking forward to that. Also, uh, Miguel mm-hmm. is my new Spanish teacher. Oh, yeah. And he is from the uh, south of Spain. Mm-hmm. And he... Um, when I had Amy, my old Spanish teacher, who was yes. the daughter of my high school girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, when I had Amy, I had a 90-minute class, and I found if I started telling her a really good and funny story, mm-hmm. and I was getting bumping up against my Spanish, yeah. I could go to English, tell her a story, and she just listened and let me go. Uh-huh. Miguel, he does this. <laughs> Numero... Niebe, be, eora, por favor. Oh. Yeah, but I, what, I, what I was telling was when I met Springsteen, uh, it, uh, no, uh, be, be, letra be, uh, uh, bari, bari, bari. Then I go and do the work. He keeps me on task. On task. And boy, you know, this is what you do. You've had trainers before, right? Mm-hmm. You know that your job when you're with a trainer, yeah. what it really trains you at 
It trains you in improv and comedy because if you can get a good enough story coming, you can delay your push-ups a little bit. Mm-hmm. Did you ever do that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. And uh, also, as a as a trainer, I've been derailed because part of you goes like, all right, I'll tell some stories or I'll listen to some stories. You've been a trainer? Well, for, for like improv training. Oh, I see. I see. So I see. I've been paid to go in there. I thought you meant you were training physically. Never. No chance. <laughs> Not gonna but you know, you're what you can get if you have a trainer, yeah, who makes you do physical things that you hate doing, yeah, and they really, really hurt yeah. your ability. I mean, I am when someone's saying you have to do another, uh, well, four burpees, yes, you've got to do do four burpees with a push up in the middle, and they tell you that. I will tell you, my ability to be funny more pressure than Letterman. <laughs> if you want to see me at my absolute best, come in right before I'm being told to do five burpees with push-ups in the middle, oh, man. and you will see me at my absolute razor-sharp best. So when I'm doing Spanish, and you know, I, I, I'm not being forced to learn Spanish. Mm-hmm. I'm doing that for continuing lifelong learning. Yeah. That's why I'm doing it. But in the time, I think, boy, be really nice to not be speaking Spanish right now. Right. You know, and so I... Um, um, I, I tell them my best stories. Now, Hondro is nothing but 90 minutes of stories, right? but they're all in Spanish mm-hmm. and it's with my buddy Hondro and Hondro, I'm not ever going to be funnier than Hondro. Mm-hmm. So there's no chance of derailing Hondro. He starts out derailed Yes, and he just goes, um, well, that's he did, uh, his third performance, uh, nail gun. Mm-hmm. So, and he's killing with it. Yeah. Killing with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Said it's the hardest trick he ever learned. It's hard. It's a really hard trick. It's a trick. hard trick. Yeah. He said it's hard in every level. He said it's hard intellectually. It's it's hard emotionally. It's hard comedically. It's hard physically. <laughs> it's hard memorization-wise. And script-wise, it's the hardest thing he learned. Yeah. He said in every way, it's the hardest thing he's learned. Now, I split it with JJ. Mm-hmm. And the first time through, it was like, Yes, that was an accurate performance of that routine. Mm-hmm. That we did do the words and the actions. <laughs> did not feel like a performance. <laughs> it's hard. There's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. A lot going on. Uh, Miguel is a motherfucker. He'll, he will not let you get off top. Yeah. And he, I do make him laugh a little bit. And he said he's from the south of Spain? Yeah, he is. And that's acceptable to Hondro? No. <laughs> uh, Hondro explained to me. Yeah. That um, Hondro's um, comedic dislike of Mexicans yes. is done for effect. Yeah. His disrespect to those from the south of Spain, he says, is completely called for. Legit hatred. <laughs> he says they are lazy. <laughs> he says... Uh, he says it's interesting because around the rest of the world, the people we make fun of for being lazy, yeah. it's just a cultural thing. But he said in Spain, we make fun of the people in the south of Spain for being lazy because they are lazy. <laughs> um, uh, but I'll tell you, that is not proven with Miguel. Yeah, He's not lazy. I pay him for a 90-minute lesson, and he gives me a 90 minute lesson to the point that I'm watching the clock like I haven't watched the clock since Miss Colbier's Shakespeare class in high school. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just watching, you know, I'm done at noon. I do 1030 to noon. Yeah. And I just watch, it gets to be 1156. And I think, well, we should talk about next week and what my homework is. So I try to do that in English. Do you guys do better? Yeah. Do better? Porque, porque, porque inglés, no necesitas. And I go, oh, fuck you, Miguel. I also will finish a whole lesson. Like I'll run, I'll run all the um, burn through the the, the the material. Burn through the material that I ended with, motherfucker. Because <laughs> I get frustrated. Yeah. So I do. I go through all my homework. I read it all to him. I get done, and I go, la uh, por favor, motherfucker. <laughs> and that always gets a smile. And then, uh, uh, numero dos. <laughs> Bam. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. I think Miguel is going to improve yeah. my Spanish tremendously. You uh, you brought up Letterman earlier. I did. 
and it was a big deal. He went back on the Late Show. Yes, yes. And I read about that in the New York Times. Yeah. The New York Times cares about Letterman. The yeah. part that made me laugh the most, because there wasn't a joke, it was just true. Letterman said, do you think I can get a photo behind the desk? Because my kids don't believe I used to have a job. <laughs> and then Colbert says, sure. And they switch places, a bunch of applause. And Letterman, under the applause, goes, boy, this is nice to you, because I would not have done this if I were in, I, back when I had this job. <laughs> he said, I would never let anyone do what you're doing right now. <laughs> he would have let Carson. Yeah, he would like Carson. Like Carson. But he talked about how, yeah, he talked about how there wasn't the camaraderie that the guys have now. So he couldn't call Carson just to shoot the shit or wonder what he's doing with the show or maybe want to shake something up. He didn't have, he didn't, he had an admiration, but not like a mentorship agreement with, with Carson. Right, but also he didn't have a French, he had a close friendship with Leno right. that fell apart when they, right. they were doing yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. competing shows. But I mean, I, I, Kimball and Fallon talked to each other, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they are direct competition. Yeah, and even like they when the strike happened, they did the podcast together, and the podcast was good, and part of why it was good is because they'd already been doing it. Because when the pandemic happened, they all started, all the late night hosts started Zooming with each other just to chat. Oh, really? And, yeah, so they developed a rapport and a chemistry, so that by the time this writer strike came around and they recorded it, they kind of hit the ground running with it. But yeah, they all get along, and they all talk to each other, and they all help each other out. It's very strange. And Colbert is able to do something Letterman never could do with his show, which he's brought to the top, right? He's the he's number one. Yeah, he's number one. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that's mostly just hating Trump, right? Yep. yep. I think that's his, that's his entire thing now. Yeah, he just, he's shamelessly political that way. I think uh, Fallon tussled yeah. Trump's hair, and then Colbert got to rail against Trump, and everybody just went over there. Yeah. Which is strange. I don't really, yeah, that's fine. I'm not as interested in all that stuff as I used to be. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's just certainly, it's just like, it's the end of the country now. It used <laughs> to be like we were fighting against it. Yeah. Now we're well, I was thinking the other day, like, uh, you know, you, you bring up someone, you know, from your the past or whatever. And if someone goes, oh, he's a big Trumper now. Yeah. I always think like, that's, I, gosh, that's sad. I don't want my political beliefs to be the first thing people use to describe me if I come up in a conversation. Yeah. You know, I don't, I just don't want that to be my thing. And I think it's sad when people are just ready to just hair trigger boredom, just want to discuss terribly political things. That's why I have this gas problem. <laughs> right. Old farty ready rich is how I want, <laughs> I want people to talk about me. How, uh, what, what gigs you get coming up? I, uh, don't have too much coming up uh, at the end of the year. Corporate and, uh, and the guy in overalls don't go that well together. Uh, but, uh, I'll be going out, I'll be going out to, uh, Brian Brushwood's. We're doing like a little bit of a retreat, kind of like a divulging all of our ways that we keep our audiences and stuff with podcasting and, and, and magic and all that stuff. Just kind of talking about our, our small business ways. We're doing a little retreat at Brian's little compound out there in Austin. How many people? There'll be about 15 people. There can be more if you want to go. How, uh, how would they find out? About they would go to uh, scamstuff.com and just type Matt Donnelly into the search engine mm -hmm. and you'll find a little details of a weekend getaway. But you'll be hanging out with me and Brian and we do help you work on your projects and we go over our projects and it's going to be a real kind of uh, power. Brian's very good at kind of... Uh, getting people motivated with their small businesses. He's a very good consultant that way. Yeah, he suggested that book to me. Uh, yeah. Which I got halfway through and just lost interest. Okay. Seemed to say, did you read the whole thing? Uh, no, I did not read the whole thing. You went and saw Paul V. Hill last I night? did. I How saw was Paul. Paul. So Paul V. Hill, if people don't know him, he's a little demon of a magician. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, he was super close to Johnny Thompson. Very close. Yeah. And so uh, I went and saw him. He's very practiced as a magician. Mm-hmm very uh, almost singular in his performance energy. Like, I don't know a lot of people like him that get away with what he gets away with. I always think, like, when I'm a magician, I always think, like, if you get the part where he feels like you're challenging the audience, you're in a mm -hmm. bad space. Mm -hmm. That's not the space you want to be in. Mm -hmm. uh, he seems to, like, revel in it. <laughs> but in a way that the audience enjoys it, like, he enjoys it. So he, he looks at people shaking their head or going no. And he loves to, like, you know, throw his chin up and point them out and gesture. Like, I know you already think what I'm talking about is impossible, sir. And just kind of goes through his stuff. Um, and he just does impossible shit. He's very good at it. For me, he did two Johnny routines. So he did, oh. he did egg bag. Oh, really? And his egg bag's really, really good. 
Um, As opposed to ours, that what you're saying? Yes. Uh, yeah. Specifically yeah. superior to other versions I have already seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and now... <laughs> And uh, what I mean is, it's not Johnny's. It's not. It's not the standard Johnny script. He does more. Oh, I see. Like that. Um, but then he did Johnny's card to wallet straight up. Oh, really? Yes. That's a hard trick. It's really hard, and he's really good at it. And I never got to see it in person. I only heard legend. Yeah. Only heard breakdowns of it. It is a killer trick. It's really, really killer. I hope he does uh, my little uh, nuances that I gave to Johnny. Oh, I'll be curious. Uh, we'll I'll, talk about that. One. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach, yeah, yeah. But we'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, later. Yes. And uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, I want to say one more thing about uh, Penn Sunday School, brought to you by Masterclass. Mm-hmm. And that is that we talked about how great Masterclass is. And uh, it's so hard to find uh, presents for people. Yeah. Uh, especially adults. And lifelong uh, learning is just a present that everybody deserves. And this holiday season, they're doing a twofer. This holiday season, give one annual membership, get one free at masterclass.com slash pen. Right now, you can get two memberships for the price of one at masterclass.com slash pen. Masterclass.com slash pen. 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 Offer terms apply. That was Penn Sunday School, brought to you by Masterclass. Cha cha cha. You become naked. We got some great shows we already recorded. Yes. Um, Patreon people. Yes. We'd like to talk. We're going to do more of that. Become a Patreon person. You'll come on and talk to us. Yeah. You know, we love you. Hey, Matt, Donald, you got anybody to thank? Yes, I want to thank the following people. Support us over at patreon.com slash pen. And if you were on here, you would have gotten an invitation to come on and talk to Penn, which we've done for our bank episodes. has done uh, uh, live sessions with our Patreon backers. So get on board. We're going to do more of those. So special thanks go out to Nick Dingman, Colin Durham, Susie Felber, Lancey Menchu, Harlan Liam Clark, Michelle Yeiser, Brogan Hastings, Placida Scott, Damien Martin, Garth Reynolds, Adam Luce, Red Random, and he loved it. Timo Tihoff, Mark Pickenheim, Terry, Scott Kelly, Kirk Barrett, Adam Burzens, Matthew Applehands, Carlos Alvarez, Nicholas Emerson, Michael Cornwall, Rob Allegar, Ross Devereaux, Ryan Matthews, Jeff Bacher, Michael Torbay, Ilan Lee, Jeff Loomis, Cullop McJakey, there. Nicole Martin, Crazy Cat Lady Scoop, Music Man, Keith Corning, No Thank You Daddy, Rachel Hawkins, Jake Schneider, Pete Hoke, Kelly McCauley, Corey Mitchell, Robin Garnett, UpturnCoach.com, turn up your profit, not your budget. Love, Julie, Lynn, and Tom. Obi Dimitrian Jr., Jeremy R22, Winter Rierkowski, Kristen Kladick, Hattie Wambi, Michael Cohen, Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard, Dr. Scooplittle, Joe Mastrangelo. But wait, there's more. Jeremiah Jenkins. Piff the Magic Dragon, buy the book at PiffTheMagicDragon.com. <laughs> Alexander Hoffman, that's not even Piff. Danny Olwine, Stephen Volcano, Jim, who would love to perform the Penn and Teller block trick naked, Scooped Mids, and Paul McBride. Thank you so much. Thank you. So you have a humorless trainer, and you have to pick between burpees and slaughtering a pig. <laughs> Third set, I'm killing that pig. <laughs> Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.